It's Talk Back Arizona with Bill Brady on 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. To talk to Bill and all of Arizona, call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. Good evening, Friday evening. Bill Brady on the Post of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us, uh, and I thank Joe for hanging in uh, for uh, the second hour, uh, Joe Hanneman is the investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Uh, the Epic Times uh, produced the outstanding documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, which you can see at Epic TV or by going to the Epic Times newspaper website. Joe, for people just coming in in the last hour, we've covered the uh, uh, the uh, additional 40,000 hours of uh, video from various sources around the Capitol. We've talked about the uh, difference between the popular version of the story uh, and the version of the story that we get from the Epic Times documentary. We've also talked about the uh, tragic uh, death of Ashley Babbitt, uh, t- t- the uh, death of uh, uh, Roseanne Boylan, as uh, well as the beating uh, of another woman in in the tunnel. Some really ugly stuff. Uh, we have also begun to hear about the fact that there were uh, law enforcement people, federal agents, law enforcement people, in Washington who had some involvement with uh, uh, what would be the January 6th protesters in advance of the event. Have you heard of anything along those lines? Well, one of the things we reported on in the past three weeks, uh, which came out of uh, one of the the criminal uh, cases, uh, the defendant in that case had come across some video shot by undercover agents for Metropolitan Police Department uh, that were embedded in the crowd that was going up the northwest stairs on the exterior of the Capitol. Now, these three undercover agents, two of them happened to be, uh, I don't know if they were following her, but they were directly behind her, uh, Ashley Babbitt, uh, as she was making her way up to the Capitol. And indeed, uh, one of those undercover agents could be heard on the video uh, and people around him making a remark that he believed that someone was going to get shot that day. And this was a comment that he made uh, at least twice. Um, And, you know, it it may just be a a very strange coincidence. We, We simply don't know. But the fact that this was... They were within a couple of arms reach of uh, of Ashley Babbitt, who indeed, uh, less than an hour later, was shot outside of the the Speaker's lobby near the House of Representatives. Um, Now, the third uh, undercover officer was involved in pushing over some of the barricades, according to the description in in these court papers, uh, climbed over a barricade, asked some of the protesters to help him up and then was you know verbally and physically encouraging people to continue up the stairs and to go into the capitol and that 
that is by prosecutors' own standards called participation. You know, that, that uh, officer would be described as a rioter by the Department of Justice. So we, uh, we don't know the details of why the, those gentlemen were undercover, but uh, the fact that there at least one of them was participating raises, you know, a, a big question. And, and, you know, there had been lots of suspicion and, and certainly some anecdotal evidence that, uh, that there, were, there were possibly federal law enforcement in those crowds, that, and, and they weren't just observing that they may have been participating. And we are, we've been investigating, uh, there's one in the film that we detailed of uh, a gentleman in tactical gear who pulled out a large sheet of glass out of a already cracked window and then was trying to encourage people around him to, to go through the window into the Capitol. And uh, that person has not ever been identified and has not been sought. He's not on the FBI's wanted list, and uh, you don't find him on any of the various uh, various uh, insurrection hunters type uh, websites. So, you know, we and we've we've got others. You know, people that are unidentified who who did things caught on video that, by the standards being used by the Department of Justice, you would think that they would have been arrested at this point. So, you know, that's going to be one of the emerging storylines as this video gets processed and analyzed and when we're able to apply facial biofacial recognition analysis to it uh, is to find out uh, where some of these folks came from and and what all they did uh, across the capitol uh, you know the kind of analysis that no doubt the fbi has done but that's not been shared with anyone publicly outside of the the criminal cases that they're prosecuting Joe Hanneman is with us, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, which has produced a documentary called The Real Story of January 6th. We will continue with Joe in just a moment. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. It's Talkback Arizona on 1100 KFNX. Call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Recently, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, released a ton of video, about 40,000 hours or so of video uh, from Closed Circuit TV and other uh, other uh, video recording equipment at the, the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, to Tucker Carlson of Fox News. Uh, Joe Hanneman is with us, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, uh, who participated in the production of the outstanding documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, available uh, on Epic TV and also available on the Epic uh, uh, Epic Times newspaper website. Joe, uh, Tucker described uh, some of the video that he had uh, released to people is just signs of chaos, but not uh, violence. Uh, when you look at all of the video that uh, you've seen and all the stuff that the, the select congressional committee has, has seen, um, can it be categorized that way, um, or is there a way of categorizing the broad, uh, the the breadth of all of the video that's there? Well, I, I think 
you know, uh, Tucker's presentation on that might have undersold a little bit uh, some of the bad deeds that went on that day. Uh, one of the things we've noticed as we've been able to access more of the body cam footage from the Metropolitan Police Department, the Capitol Police does not uh, carry body cams, but uh, uh, MPD does, and there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of their officers at the Capitol. So as we're able to access this, it gives you a, a very valuable view of, of the men and women who are along the barricades, who are interacting with, uh, with protesters, and uh, you also can see when people lose it and, and where people lashed out. And, you know, I watched one a couple days ago where a fellow picked up what looked like to be a fairly heavy pipe. I mean, something, uh, you know, looked like an industrial plumbing pipe. And he, you know, he just heaved that at the police line. And I think if they hadn't had a shield, that would have caused serious injury. You know, so th- there were uh, plenty of instances, more than I think I would have, uh, I would have said a year ago at this time. Uh, and, and that argues so heavily in favor of just putting everything out there and let people make up their own minds and to go through as much of this footage as they care to go through, uh, because otherwise, you know, the, the, the people who hold the, the databases full of video can spin their own, their own narratives. But, you know, even with the pockets of violence, and some of it was serious, uh, certainly the tunnel uh, was very serious, and that went on for, for several hours. Um, but across that entire uh, complex, you know, the Capitol grounds, it was still a, a fraction in terms of the people that were involved. And even the folks that went into the Capitol building, uh, most of them did not, uh, did not, I want to say did not break the law because uh, technically, according to the government, if you set foot on that, uh, on the, the floor of the Capitol, you were breaking the law. But uh, in terms of violence or vandalism or things like that. Uh, so it, it's, you know, I don't, folks shouldn't get the idea that weren't bad things. Uh, we're still analyzing, you know, who the ones were that were doing the inciting and, and were they, uh, if we can tell uh, what, what their background is, if they were Trump supporters or if they were insiders. We, uh, those are some of the questions that we, we want to answer. But, uh, you know, it, it and I don't know anybody that would uh, would uh, condone uh, attacking a police officer with a pipe or you know or you know throwing a piece of lumber through the through one of the windows. Those those are criminal acts, and those folks are being prosecuted. Uh, but you know, and what hasn't happened is uh, you know so often the civil liberties have taken a, a nearly deadly beating uh, because uh, you know people's uh, constitutional rights have been pressed upon if not outright squashed in certain cases so um so i I think the the overall situation in terms of violence was was worse than what uh, what you know tucker's assessment was although i i don't know that he's done telling telling the story yet but uh people should definitely not get the sense that there that there weren't problems that day because there definitely were well, yeah, I, and I would I would agree with your assessment uh, of things that uh, yes, there were uh, there were certainly uh, uh, examples of violence. There were, you, there were certainly examples that you could you could uh, describe as a as a riot. Uh, there were certainly a disturbance out of control. But then there were other things that uh, were there, and some of the video I saw in the last few days of where. 
the the guy with the horns is <laughs> wandering around the building with two police officers uh, uh, with him. And he wasn't violent at that moment. There was also footage of uh, people in, I guess it must have been the congressional chamber, just sitting there, not looking like they didn't quite know what to do with themselves once they got there. Yeah, the... the, the one of the, the cases that uh, that Tucker focused on in his first broadcast, uh, I think, is, is developing into really quite a tragic story, and that is the the so-called QAnon shaman uh, who wore the uh, the large headdress with the animal horns coming out of the side and had face paint. Uh, quite a character, but he was made into a caricature, uh, and he became the face of the insurrection uh, by those who crafted. The narrative, and that that this was some sort of a person who uh, you know went in the Capitol and caused all sorts of mayhem. Uh, when what Tucker discovered on the security video is that uh, this Jacob Chansley is his name. He uh, was led through the Capitol and, and had a couple of police officers escorting him, and in fact letting him into rooms and. Uh, trying to unlock certain doors for him, and ultimately they let him into the Senate, where he stepped up onto the rostrum and, and actually gave a little speech and said a prayer uh, and thanked the officers for being kind enough to let him in. And uh, and then when, when he left the Capitol after President Trump said everybody needs to go home peacefully, uh, there's plenty of video showing him with a bullhorn urging people to stop what they're doing and go home, that the president wants us to go home. Uh, and, and, you know, those are things you don't see that often. But uh, the fact that he was led through there, that's that's what they call in court cases as exculpatory evidence. And that was not shown. That was not brought out. Uh, his attorney at the time says he, he did not see it. Uh, his new attorney uh, is right now, I believe, traveling to whatever prison Jacob is in to have a meeting with him uh, to try to figure out what their legal strategy might be. Uh, but what this unmasks is, you know, that that under Supreme Court rulings, if there's exculpatory information, prosecutors are legally bound to turn that over to the defense. And and here we have all this security video that the defense says they never saw. Uh, you know that you would certainly think that would call into legal question his, you know. Now, he accepted a plea agreement, so what tends to go along with that is the you lose your right to appeal. But uh, there's got to be some legal remedy when uh, when you have what's in essence deception that went on, uh, not to, certainly not telling the full story. So remains to be seen uh, whether he will be getting out of prison, but I think there will be a growing call uh, to take a new look at his case. And, and others. Uh, Joe Hanneman is with us, uh, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. We're talking about uh, uh, the uh, January 6th events. Uh, the Epic Times has a, uh, an outstanding documentary called The Real Story of January 6th, which is available at Epic TV and on the Epic Times website. You should read it, it uh, watch it. It uh, uh, will give you an entirely different impression of what happened that day. But also the 40,000... Uh, hours of video from police body cam videos from the Metropolitan Police as well as from uh, other uh, closed-circuit TV at the Capitol that day. 
is coming out and it is exposing certain things. We will talk uh, with Joe Hanneman some more in just a moment. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. It's Talkback Arizona on 1100 KFNX. Call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. We are back. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us. He is uh, an investigative reporter with the Epic Times. They have produced a documentary called The Real Story of January 6th. We interviewed Joe a number of months ago. When that was first released, it has been updated, and I would urge you to uh, go online to Epic TV or the Epic uh, Times newspaper site uh, and, and view that documentary. It is very compelling. Joe, I have about a minute before the break here. I wanted to ask you one quick question before we go into the news, and then we've, we've got to still other things to cover before the end of the hour. But there, it, it has been reported uh, that the Trump administration had offered Nancy Pelosi, um, and uh, she's in, in charge of uh, the uh, uh, law enforcement uh, at the Capitol in her role as House Speaker, that, that they had been offered National Guard uh, troops uh, before January 6th, and it was turned down. Have you heard anything about that? Yes. In fact, I, I wrote a story about that. Uh, the president, I believe it was on the 2nd or 3rd of January, had a had a meeting of senior staff in his office, and at the end of it he, he said that he was authorizing up to 20,000 National Guard troops uh, be available, uh, not just in Washington, D.C., but anywhere in the country should they become needed, uh, he wanted to make sure that uh, that January sixth was a was a safe day for everyone. So he he uh, and and the way the, the legalities work, the president can make the offer. He cannot d- direct. You know that request has to come from uh, a governor, or in the case of the District of Columbia, that would uh, the the chief executive is the mayor, uh, and she uh, turned that down. Oh, and, she turned uh, it down. Even, okay. She did, and even on the day when uh, when things were getting out of hand, and uh, Police Chief Stephen Sund uh, was practically begging for help, uh, and he had to go through the uh, Sergeant at Arms for the House. Legally, that's that's how uh, the, the chain of command works. Let, let's and pause the, there. I've got a, a break for news, a hard break. We will continue with Joe Hanneman from Epic Times in a moment. It's Talk Back Arizona with Bill Brady on eleven hundred KFNX. Let your voice be heard. To talk to Bill and all of Arizona, call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. Good evening, Bill Brady on the coast of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us, uh, investigative reporter for the Epic Times uh, he uh, has been part of the team that produced the, the documentary, and it is an outstanding documentary called The Real Story of January 6th, available at uh, Epic TV and also the Epic Times newspaper website. Joe, thank you so much uh, for your time today and for hanging in there. This is a big story, and you just can't cover it and 
in 10 minutes. Uh, as we were ending the last half hour, we were talking about the often reported uh, uh, element of the story that uh, the Trump administration had offered uh, National Guard troops, up to 20,000 troops. I was incorrect in saying it was Nancy Pelosi who turned them down. Uh, let me have you uh, just uh, cover the broad strokes of that again before we move on. Yes, as I was, I was mentioning that uh, when the request went up on that day that had to go through the sergeant-at-arms uh, in the House, and the sergeant-at-arms is appointed by the House Speaker, so, I mean, make no mistake, uh, then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, really was in charge of security for the Capitol uh, through these other folks. And, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Sun, the chief at the time, actually went to the sergeant-at-arms uh, days in advance of January 6th and talked to him about National Guard. And according to Chief Sun, he said that he was told that uh, uh, he was one of several people to use this phrase that, he didn't like the optics of it, uh, and so you know the, the chief tried to get out in front of this. And then on the the, the day of, when things were starting to go sideways, uh, that request became more urgent from Chief Sund, and uh, he said that uh, what he was told is that it was going to get run up the flagpole. Well, I said the flagpole ends in the speaker's office, and so if there were delays. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what the discussions were between the, the sergeant-at-arms and the speaker's office, uh, but it, it wasn't until, really, it, until it was too late in terms of getting the guard because those first boots on the ground happened, uh, you know, around 5.30 p.m., and the, the event was, the day was pretty much over, and, and most of the crowd had, had left. So it, it, it certainly is a... a you know, lessons to be learned from that, but there was there was no issue with authorization, and uh, that's all uh, any president can do is to offer the National Guard. It's up to it's up to the powers that be in those jurisdictions to request it. So that leads us to the Trump role on January sixth. In in this case, it would appear that his administration was acting responsibly by offering. 20,000 Guard troops. Uh, he has been criticized uh, for his speech that day and things that you could argue he said in the speech that were uh, designed to exhort his uh, followers uh, to support him, and at the same time they could be interpreted uh, uh, to suggest that uh, he was exhorting uh, or he was uh, exhorting uh, uh, some supporters to riot, uh, uh, that would obviously be uh, an interpretation that uh, uh, would be ambiguous if it ever got into court. But the, uh, there were then those complaints that he was asked repeatedly to bring a halt to it uh, and only did it uh, very late in the process where he could have stopped it earlier. So the, those are the things that have been reported. How would you assess uh, all of those aspects of it and the Trump role on January 6th? Well, I think the, the part of the equation that, that uh, tries to point fingers or lay blame on, on the former president, uh, those are uh, at best um, political discussions. Uh, the January 6th committee from its very 
outset. And in fact, before it was even created, that uh, that storyline uh, was advanced by Representative Benny Thompson in a, in a lawsuit he filed against the president in February of 2021, uh, laying the blame and in, in insinuating that, uh, you know, I don't know if, if there was some code in his speech uh, that go to the Capitol and riot. Uh, it was very clear uh, the words that he said about uh, peacefully and patriotically. Uh, during the day, he talked uh, on Twitter about uh, respecting Capitol Police that were on their side. Uh, these are good guys, and, and let's nobody do anything to harm the police. So I, I, you know, I don't know what else he could have done, and, and because this is through the prism of politics, I don't know that it would have mattered because. Uh, if he should have said five things, uh, or he said five things, he should have said ten. You know, so it's, you know, it, it, these things are, he was going to be made the, the scapegoat, if you will, or the, the person to blame no matter what. Uh, but the, uh, you know, what this masks is the underlying anger of, of the populace and the voters, and that's why they were there. So if there was anger, it was due to the circumstances surrounding the election. Uh, I, I don't know that his speech was, uh, in fact, I remember watching that distinctly and, and thinking that was not one of his better speeches. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't like he was whipping people into a frenzy. And there was plenty of uh, organized and permitted protests on the Capitol grounds that day. Uh, there were six or seven permits issued by Capitol Police. Uh, so there was plenty of reason for that crowd to go over to the Capitol, uh, whether or not the president said anything about going and making your voices heard. Uh, so, you know, and those are all facts that, that don't often get discussed. Uh, so if there were, there were places on the Capitol grounds where it was legal to be there and to engage in a protest, uh, you know, how people would know if they're stepping over an imaginary line uh, into another spot where you are... Uh, committing a, at least a misdemeanor for uh, for trespassing, so that, that's the, you know, the story is is story is just definitely more more detailed than what most of the American public has heard. And, and it, for people politically, it is what they want it to be, which is uh, unfortunate because uh, I think all Americans should want the truth in this regardless of, of where it leads uh 642 18 before seven o'clock bill brady on the post of arizona 1100 kfnx joe hanneman is with us investigative reporter from the epic times uh, the epic times has produced a, a, a first-rate documentary called the real story of january 6th we are revisiting this because of the release of some 40 thousand hours of video by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, some of it released to Tucker Carlson of, of Fox News, and some people have been seeing some of that, and we are covering uh, the whole January 6th event and resulting controversy uh, from A to Z this afternoon with Joe Hanneman. Uh, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Joe, when we get back, I want to jump into uh, uh, some other figures uh, in this, namely the Proud Boys and their role. The Epic Times carrying a story today 
uh, written by Gary Bai, uh, that the January 6th Proud Boys trial has been paused due to the FBI allegedly altering evidence. We will come to that when we return on the Pulse of Arizona 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. It's Talkback Arizona on 1100 KFNX. Call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. We are back. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. An intense two hours as we have combed through uh, the real story of January 6th. Uh, Joe Hanneman, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, is with us. They have produced an incredible documentary that reveals a lot of things the American people should see that they have not heard about or seen through the so-called corporate media or through the congressional committee. And the documentary is called The Real Story of January 6th, available on Epic TV or at the Epic Times newspaper site. Joe, your colleague uh, Gary Bai today uh, uh, reported uh, that the January 6th Proud Boys trial has been paused due to the FBI allegedly altering evidence, including classified FBI messages revealed in court, uh, which uh, defense attorneys say show the FBI agents discussing the altering of evidence. My God, what, what, what is happening when you have uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI altering evidence to prosecute and persecute American citizens? So the, the question, I guess, is uh, what you know about uh, this case, but also of uh, the role of uh, the Proud Boys on January 6th. Well, yeah, the, the, the trial was paused. Uh, there were several problems that were raised by defense attorneys, and uh, in, in they actually came forth and were asking for uh, dismissal of the case because uh, there was discovery that an FBI agent who was testifying, uh, that there was evidence that they, the, uh, the agents were uh, passing back and forth and discussing uh, correspondence between one of the defendants and his attorney, uh, and they, you know that would that would raise some Sixth Amendment issues, uh, and so the, the the defense immediately filed motions in that regard, uh, and then come to discover that uh, some of the uh, documents that were put forth by the FBI as Excel spreadsheets had uh, hundreds and hundreds of hidden cells that apparently may have had classified information in them uh, that, you know, might have been accessible. You know, I believe this was discovered by some of the, uh, some of the defense investigators who brought that forth, and, uh, you know, that, that some of this stuff may have involved discussions of, uh, of destroying evidence or, you know, or altering things. And I, I think that the cumulative effect of that with uh, Judge Kelly was... Uh, was to put a pause on things, you know, and, uh, if the government's going to, to to try to come up with uh, with explanations for all of this stuff. I guess it remains to be seen, but it's a pretty dramatic development fairly late in, in the Proud Boys trial, which is, uh, I believe, uh, very close to, if, if not uh, already exceeded, the length of the first Oath Keepers trial. 
uh, last fall, which was which was very long and detailed. So it's uh, you know that this is uh, you know never a dull moment with January sixth. But in terms of the role of the, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, have been held out as. Uh, uh, heinous uh, actors in our country, but also in terms of January 6th, were they? Well, to, to believe what the prosecutors have put forth in these cases, uh, you have to uh, traverse a, a circuitous, circuitous path uh, through online chat sessions and messages exchanged and then you have to accept the, the prosecutor's explanations for all these, that, that they in total uh, encompassed some sort of a conspiracy, a seditious conspiracy. Uh, I follow, followed the Oath Keepers case fairly closely. And, uh, you know, that I don't know that your average American listening to all of that evidence would have reached the conclusion uh, that the Oath Keepers were there to overthrow the government. Uh, when the the statements of the founder were to get people away from the Capitol, he didn't want people in the Capitol, uh, and wrapped them upside the head when he saw the ones that did go into the Capitol, uh, and you know the other the other things that were hung around their neck about weapons in Virginia and all these other things, uh, you know, had explanations. But you know, it, it came down to with with the jury was who are you going to believe? And so far in the District of Columbia, the, the juries have unanimously uh, sided with the prosecutors, uh, which is a remarkable track record. Uh, the only exoneration of all the, all the defendants of more than 1,000 cases brought uh, was a bench trial, and that was, uh, that was almost a year ago. Uh, since then, you know, everyone that has come before a jury has been convicted, uh, sometimes in, in astoundingly short periods of time. Uh, we had a case uh, back in February. It was, wasn't barely 90 minutes of deliberation on, on a case that took uh, four or five weeks to present. And, and even one of, uh, one of the uh, <clears throat> pieces of evidence would have taken that long just to discuss it. So it, uh, this, this was what the defense uh, was concerned about in, in all of these cases was the inherent bias in D.C., which is, is a bubble. It's primarily liberal, 95-plus uh, percent voting Democrat for in a typical presidential election. Uh, and they, they've done research, social science research, that proves uh, that, that, you know, there's an anti-conservative bias in D.C. That, that's extremely heavy. And uh, so far, every judge that has been asked to change venue has refused uh, and in the Oath Keepers case, that, that issue was brought multiple times, uh, right up until uh, the very start of the trial, and the judges have said no. So, you know, those are all things that I think will be ripe on appeal. But, uh, you know, the, the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, you know, I, I have not seen something that would be clear and convincing. This is something that, uh, after putting the jury through these, these long exercises, uh, you know, if they seem to just be believing the prosecutors and uh, and not listening to the defense, so you know this. Uh, I think if if these groups truly had the will and the organizing ability, uh, that there would have been there would have been a lot more bloodshed and trouble those days uh, than we saw. So, and how were know, they going to do it without any weapons? Right. 
Yeah. And January 6th, uh, you know, I think the decision was made uh, because it, it fits in with what the Department of Justice has been doing with uh, militia groups and white supremacists, uh, that they were going to point the finger at these groups and, and really hang the collective guilt of that large crowd on them. Yeah. And, and, and so much for a fair trial, because if, if, uh, if per uh, our adoration of the Constitution, we wanted to make sure that people had a fair trial, would we uh, certainly would have had a change of venue to a place where there could at least be fairness, not necessarily even uh, a, a, a different type of bias, but a fairness where people would, at the very least, objectively hear the evidence uh, and process the testimony uh, and and, and find justice. It is a 655, Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Uh, we're going to move off the last uh, commercial break here uh, and reschedule that. Uh, Joe Hanneman is with us. He's the investigative reporter, uh, part of the team that has uh, uh, investigated uh, January 6th and produced the documentary, The Real Story of January 6th. Uh, through uh, Epic uh, TV, E-P-O-C-H TV, and the Epic Times newspaper. The website for the Epic Times is theepic.times.com. Joe, we have uh, three or four minutes left. Let me uh, ask you to do this. This is really, uh, (laughs) this might be an unreasonable request. Can you sum all this up um, as we... uh, and the program here in terms of where we are now with the McCarthy release of, of video, all the court cases, um, and uh, in, in the, the public understanding of this <laughs> with regard to what really happened. It, it, can you sum all that up and, and uh, where is this going next? Sorry. Well, it's, it's uh, really, in a lot of ways, this is a... It, a new day when it comes to understanding January 6th uh, that the American public is about to get its own opportunity to uh, to do research and to come up with their own explanations or decisions without having to rely on any media. And I think that's, that's a good thing, and I certainly hope Speaker McCarthy follows through to the extent of putting this information on a public server not uh, having people come into his office and, and watch it, uh, which is what Tucker's staff had to do over a three-week period. Um, that's a great start. But, you know, the beauty of the Internet and crowdsourcing, uh, and I've watched this, uh, some of the best sleuths I've ever seen uh, come up with uh, spotting trends and people that uh, you know may be acting in concert uh, and, and that's really what this is going to take, given the given the volume of this information, uh, that if it's put out there, we're going to start to really see uh, the full story, and then we'll be able to, you know, we'll be able to tell, was the narrative put forth, does it hold up at all, or does it collapse like a house of cards? And if it does, then what's the true story, you know? So I, I think over the next six six months to, uh, to coming up on the third anniversary of January 6th, we are going to learn a tremendous amount uh, about what happened and who was behind it. You know, it's, it's, uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with uh, what we're talking about here other than 
uh, how uh, people who are uh, really dedicated to a cause can deal with things. If you remember after the, the American embassy in Tehran was overthrown, the Iranian students actually pieced together all of the shredded documents. So I can imagine with this that there are people who will laboriously watch hours and hours and hours, and there will be people who will coordinate uh, this, uh, this analysis of this, uh, and they will find things that somebody just watching it in a cursory manner uh, simply will not. Uh, there are people who will find things, and this story uh, will continue. Joe, uh, thank you. Joe Hanneman, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Thank you for two absolutely spellbinding hours, and thank you for your work and that of the Epic Times documentary team. Uh, this is a real contribution to our democracy. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I'll come back anytime. Thanks. Thank you, Joe Hanneman, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. And again, the Epic Times website is theepictimes.com, and Epic is spelled E-P-O-C-H. Uh, they have produced the documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, which will blow your hair back. Uh, you need to watch this, devote time to watching it multiple times, there is some really disturbing stuff there about your government, our government, uh, and things that you have not seen through the Congressional Committee or through the corporate media. Joe Hanneman, thank you, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Uh, we are back uh, tomorrow, 8 to 9 a.m., and then 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, thank you for listening. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. News, talk, sports. The Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX.